come to the Psalms, we, we read poetry that leads us to worship. That's what we expect in that. And when we come to the prophets, we expect to hear of, of the truth and the reality of sin, the truth of God's judgment, and the hope that God offers. That's what we expect to see. And in the epistles, the apostles take the teachings of Jesus and they expound on them. They help us to see the truth of who God is, who Christ is, and how we should live in relation to that. We know what to expect when we come to those things. But in wisdom literature, uh, sometimes it's a little more difficult. When we come to the Proverbs or to Song of Songs, and Ecclesiastes in particular, uh, it's hard to know exactly what to expect as we come to the text. Uh, We can read the Proverbs and we read of of the wisdom and how to pursue a godly life, uh, but Ecclesiastes sometimes feels different than the Proverbs. Uh, At first glance, it can seem like a book that's incredibly pessimistic. And why wouldn't it? Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Some of your translations might say meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. And with a catchphrase like this, and we will see that phrase time and time again in Ecclesiastes, with a catchphrase like that, of course we would think Ecclesiastes is is maybe just a nihilistic wasting away of a life that we're reading about. But that's not what's going on. The preacher in Ecclesiastes and uh, as Pastor Kerr comes to preach through this book, or as, or as I'm back, uh, we might use the preacher, we might use Solomon, the teacher, we might use those interchangeably. But the preacher, while telling us that all is vanity and striving after wins, that, that isn't really the message of the book. The message of Ecclesiastes is found in our passage this morning, in the last chapter, and these last two verses are really the summary of it. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. In verse 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So does the final word in Ecclesiastes, does it conclude that all is vanity, that all is meaningless? No, it concludes that everything, every single thing, every secret thing that God is the supreme judge over. He is sovereign over all of those things. So no, it's not all vanity, but it points to God's sovereignty. So here I want to pause for a moment. Uh, And many people do take a pessimistic view of this book, a pessimistic view of life and of all of our toiling and, and all of our striving. And some of you may be there in that spot right now. You may be here with us uh, in person, or you may be watching online and thinking that life is meaningless. You may look at the question in chapter 1, verse 3, what does a man gain by all the toil with which he toils under the sun? So you might read and realize that the rhetorical answer to that question is nothing. We can gain nothing by our toil. And so maybe that's where you are. Maybe you are wondering just what is this all about? What is the point of all of our lives? But remember where our passage leads us. Remember where the conclusion is going. It leaves us not in in search of a faraway God, not in search of someone who's distant. He's near. He's not a deistic clockmaker who set the world in motion and stepped back from it. 
No, we see that God is near and watching, supporting, sustaining, guiding, and sovereign over all of life. And it's from him, from this sovereign, life-giving Lord, that we all long to hear the words from Hebrews 11, well done, good and faithful servant. Or we want to hear that we're commended for our faith, or even, as Hebrews 11 goes on, that the world was not worthy of us. There's a longing for meaning, a longing for significance. And here in Ecclesiastes, we see the preacher wrestling with that desire, just as so many of us wrestle with that same desire. He's examining life from every perspective. So maybe you're examining in some way. Maybe you're starting a new school year and you wonder if you'll finally come in to your own and you can make your mark on the world. Maybe you're contemplating retirement and wonder, looking back, if you made a difference. Maybe you're somewhere in between, caught in a pattern of of the cycle of work and caring for a family or caring for a spouse or friends. Maybe it's one of those and you wonder if any of it matters. The message of Ecclesiastes is not that everything is vanity and meaningless. But in those times, in those moments where you're searching for significance, when life seems pointless and you're just not sure, in that, the message of Ecclesiastes is to be faithful. Be faithful to the Lord because it's only in God that we can know true meaning. It's only by serving the Lord that our deepest joy and deepest desires can be met. God sees you. And that is no small thing. So we ought to cry out as David did in Psalm 8, What is man that you should be mindful of him, the son of man that you should care for him? What's more than that, not only does he see, but through Christ he's offered us salvation. Through Christ, that truly perfect servant, we can be adopted as sons and daughters of God. And if you belong to Christ, then you have a mediator who sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who makes intercession for us. And what could be more significant than that? So in Ecclesiastes, as we see this this search for significance, we see the preacher examine his life in all the ways that he will. Don't miss this conclusion. Don't miss this ending because it's where the rest of the book is driving. All of Ecclesiastes is heading straight to these two verses. Now, there are many items in Ecclesiastes that sound uh, pessimistic, but there are moments of hope, there are moments of joy, and moments that point us straight to the good gifts that God has given us. So in Ecclesiastes, we'll see uh, some observations that the preacher makes. Some of them we'll agree with, and we observe similar things. Other things that he observes, we'll disagree with. Say, that's, that's not the way that I see life happening. Sometimes the preacher will take on the role of the world. He'll step into a different persona to examine life from that perspective. And then he'll step back into a persona of wisdom and examine life from that. There are lots of ways that we have to understand this book. Sometimes he'll speak in the first person, sometimes in the third person. Sometimes there are imperatives. There are things that we're commanded to do. So the Ecclesiastes is varied. It's a 
book that's it's rich. It's full of wisdom and insight and, and intrigue in many ways. And so much so that it's been quoted by more people than I could count. Stevie Wonder, Dave Matthews, you too. Uh, if you're a, l- a literary person, Herman Melville, Ernest Hemingway, and Ray Bradbury. And in fact, it's Ray Bradbury found this book so significant that in Fahrenheit 451, it's the book that the main character reads. He reads it in a society where books are illegal, and so he has to flee for his life. Sorry if I spoiled that, by the way. <laughs> but far more significant than the, the authors and the artists that quote Ecclesiastes, far more important is remembering that this is God's word. It's the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, lacking in nothing. And to that end, Ecclesiastes does just that. It aids us in that pursuit. So Ecclesiastes, perhaps as much as any other book of the Bible, meets us in a practical sense, right where the rubber hits the road of our lives. In the same way that Job speaks to us of suffering, or Lamentations speaks to us of loss, Amos of injustice, or the Psalms speak to the whole range of of human experience and emotion, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes examines life and all of the work and pleasure that we could experience. And you'd be right to understand that Ecclesiastes does at at times point out the vanity of life. Sometimes life does feel pointless. You work and you work and you work and you feel like you just get nowhere and you're just a mouse running on a wheel. Or maybe it's that you finally get the money or you get the house or you get that thing that you've always wanted and it doesn't satisfy you. It just feels empty. Now, at the age of 27, Matt Damon won an Oscar for a film he wrote with Ben Affleck. He was on a talk show at the age of 44, so 17 years after he won his Oscar. The host of that talk show asked him about that night and how excited he must have been to have, to have won uh, that award. But listen to uh, what Matt Damon says. Uh, so Damon had gone home and he says, I remember sitting alone looking at that award and imagine, just imagining chasing an Oscar and not getting it and finally getting it in your 80s or 90s with all of life behind you and realizing what an unbelievable waste. It can't fill you up. So Damon went on to talk about how grateful he was to learn that lesson at such a young age and that he didn't spend his life chasing something he ultimately realized was meaningless. Ecclesiastes meets us right there. In that space where we wonder what's going on in life at all, and, it, and Ecclesiastes doesn't just gloss over it. It takes a hard, deep look at everything that life can include, whether it's money or uh, work or some other pleasure. It's in Ecclesiastes. And it's in there that we can find scripture relating to our experience. So as we just think about scripture itself and what uh, scripture does, it's helpful to remember 
Right? God inspired the authors of the Bible to write all that's, that's necessary so that we can know God and know what's required of us. So knowing this then, when we look at Ecclesiastes, we see that it lines up with this purpose of Scripture. Our passage, again, the end of the matter, the purpose, the point, fear God and obey him. So how can we have that godly fear, that godly respect, unless we know God? And that call to obedience, well, Christ himself echoes that call. At the Great Commission, he tells his disciples to go into the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that he's commanded. Well, a great deal of the text of, of this book can be confusing or even disheartening. Our task when we study this book, when we, really when we study all of Scripture, is to read and to hear what God has to teach us. And at its heart, Scripture points to Christ. So in all that we study together in Ecclesiastes, this is going to point to Christ. It's going to point to the gospel. It'll be that way throughout Ecclesiastes. And we just finished Luke, as I said, the passion narrative there. It's so evident. It's so clear what those passages have to say to us about Christ, about his, his death and burial and resurrection, and how through him we can have salvation. But it's also here in wisdom literature. It's in our passage. In just our two verses, we hear of God's judgment. Well, who is God's judge? The New Testament tells us that it's Jesus. In the same way that Ecclesiastes meets us there in that point of life, who is it that came down to earth to meet his people? Who lived among us? Jesus. In that same way that the whole experience of Ecclesiastes uh, and relates to us, and we can find uh, our same experience there, and Christ did the same thing. He came down to earth and dwelt among us. He took to himself a body and a soul. And he suffered all the miseries and, and temptations of the world and the devil just as we do. And it's Christ who came into the world as a man and was subjected to the law and followed and obeyed it perfectly. So when Ecclesiastes points us to the law and calls us to wisdom and righteousness, we ought to remember Christ, the one who has given great treasures of knowledge and, and of wisdom. So when we read in Ecclesiastes that we should seek wisdom, we've got, we, we have to remember where to seek it. Seek it from the one who lived among us, the one who created us, the one who rescued us from all the folly that we see under the sun. Because that's who Christ is. He is the answer to the problems we see in Ecclesiastes. Where can you find wisdom? In Christ and in the words of Scripture that point to Christ. Where can you find rest from all the toil that seems so difficult? Well, in Christ, because he is the one who bids all who are weary and heavy laden come to him. Where can you find meaning when all of life seems vanity and meaninglessness? And doing all for the glory of Christ. Now in this, there's this heaviness. <laughs> the heaviness to Ecclesiastes is a heaviness 
to this morning. And indeed, life is very heavy sometimes. We feel that burden. We feel it not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones. We feel it for the world around us. And we will have uh, many opportunities uh, to hear about the world and the culture and how Ecclesiastes and the Lord is speaking to us and to our families and to the world through Ecclesiastes. But here in this book, we also see an acknowledgement that joy comes from the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 24. There's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also is from the hand of God, for who apart from him can eat and find enjoyment? Or chapter 11, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. Or chapter 3, that there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. In all of these things, in all of the things that we can experience during life, God is sovereign. And Lord willing, with his help, we'll make our way through this book. But in all of these things, whatever we study in the coming weeks, do not lose sight of God's sovereignty and do not lose sight of Christ. In all of your life, not just when we study, but in all of your life, don't lose sight of those things. Don't lose sight of Christ. Because it's in Christ who has fully and finally revealed God to us that we can know God that we can come to fear and respect him as our verses call us to do. And it's in response to his love for us that we are called to be obedient. Because that's the end of the matter. When all has been heard, is to fear God and keep his commandments. Let's pray. Gracious Lord and God, your word is rich. And it is full. And in it we know that we can find what we need to know about you and what we need to know about salvation. So thank you for the sufficiency of your scripture. Thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes that we can see how true it is that the experiences of our lives are from you that you are sovereign over them. Thank you that this isn't a book that is uh, just happy all the time because that's not the experience of our lives. So thank you for giving us this, that we can know you all the more, know that you care about us and know that you see us. Father, most of all, thank you for Christ, that he came and dwelt among us and offers us salvation. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to a table. And here at this table, we meet Christ. By his spirit, we are meeting with Christ at this table. So if you belong to him, if you belong to Christ, come and meet him at the table. If you have joined yourself to his church, it doesn't have to be this church, but a church where the gospel is faithfully preached, then come. These elements are for you. But if you haven't, if you haven't followed through in obedience to baptism and joined yourself to a church,